Coming to you from Wayland Utani Corporation headquarters in Burbank, California. This is the Film versus Film podcast. I am your host, Quinn Boys. I have written over 12 Victorian's romance novellas in my lifetime, and I am joined, as always, by three-time back-to-back-to-back champion and still reigning victor of the podcast. He's incubating an alien in his chest, Leonard Smith Jr. What's up, Leonard? Oh, what an opening. Thank you to my number one fan, Quinn Boyce. Um, Hang on. uh, You're my number one fan, but please don't lock me up in a room. Um, (laughs) uh, As you know, the entire series of novels, Misery, was written and composed uh, because of Quinn boys, he was the motivation because of these last three seasons of him losing. But right now he's trying to be the Boston Celtics and make a comeback. Will he do it? Who trying knows? to trying to beat you over the head with a typewriter. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He also tricked me. He was like, yeah, you want somebody to sit on your face? And I was like, yeah. And then uh, next thing you know, I'm pregnant. So thanks a lot for that. Quinn. Um, I told you, man, you got to be more discerning about who you bring home from the bars. Um, if you're listening and you don't know what the movies are yet, you haven't looked at our Instagram story and you're like, what are the, what are they fucking talking about? We don't even know what we're talking about. We're trying to figure it out. Thanks to the front of the pod and screenwriter, the guest of the day, Jason Hellerman. What's up, Jason? Woo, what's up guys. I had no idea we'd get into face sitting this early, but I'm about to spread my cheeks and take a seat. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. This podcast, not to get gross right away, but it features a famous uh, ass man and famous face sitter coming to <laughs> to meet on the podcast i am neither of those two people wait so uh, am i the face sitter because i'm also an ass man no you're the ass man okay i'm the ass man okay good 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 oh, he's, there ever be... okay. he's spreading the cheeks that's right i don't know i just yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know we'll find out already, but, uh, yeah. we'll find out my sexual kink before the end of the episode but uh <laughs> We are talking with Jason. Uh, here's what Jason is famous for. Jason, you are famously a Philly guy. How's, uh, how's yeah, life absolutely. as a Philly transplant? Leonard's from Georgia. I'm from New Jersey. We got three East Coasters on the podcast. And I, uh, I don't it. know yeah. if we had three a Philly guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't have really any beef. Well, uh, well, it's fuck the Phillies always. Uh, I'm a oh, Braves wow. guy, As a Braves so, fan. NL East rivals, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Uh, the Eagles. My dad liked the Eagles growing up. For, yeah, I can take that. And, they got some know, good songs. I like Donovan McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> some good songs. Was he based? Um, oh, but you know, no, no beefs with Philly. I might go to Philly this year. The Saints are playing Philadelphia like December twenty seventh. So yeah, I may. Yeah, Len- Leonard's from where? Where would you? Is it fair to say? And I know the various places you've grown up, Leonard. But if I, if you were to say, if someone's like Leonard is from blank, would you rather they say Atlanta, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina? What? what what's the? Uh, I would say prefer? Atlanta. I lived Atlanta, there the longest okay. in my life, and it it doesn't suck like Lynchburg, Virginia. Lynchburg, Virginia is awful. <laughs> oh, Virginia, that's right. Where I get the yeah, when I tell from. people I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia, they're like, what? It's called Lynchburg? And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's named after John Lynch. He founded the city. He was famous for hanging niggas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good, uh, and it's like. I delivered just... that joke so wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> No, I think you just delivered it to an audience scared of how hard they're going to laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, you guys can't laugh at that. Well, we can't. It black has people. to be within a certain range of laughing. You know, you, <laughs> if you're knee slapping, then it's a little bit. Huh? Anyway, uh, so if you choose Atlanta, that means I can call you a fraud for being from Atlanta, but repping the Saints and the Chicago Bulls. Leonard, you need a little bit of regional consistency. Yeah, I'm all New I York. I know. I know. New Jersey. Man. Um, I chose the Saints before I moved to Atlanta, and I think that's just that, like, 
hater energy in me. It's just like sure. it knew it knew I, I was a chosen one. So Jason, you are Philly through and through. Do you ever wish you could switch cities? <laughs> No, sometimes I wish I wasn't alive. I mean, but other, <laughs> other than that, you know, <laughs> sometimes the darkness creeps in. I want to turn the lights out for good. But other, right, other than right. that, being a Philly fan is amazing, you know. Okay. Uh, lots of near misses and, uh, you know, unchecked anger that it's someday I'll pass down to my children. And they'll also have to do intensive therapy, uh, you know, and write checks to better health after James Harden only takes two shots in the second half of an elimination game. But look. That's enough about me. I don't. I don't want to derail this whole thing. But uh, you know, while I fully melt down and <laughs> get angry, but well, let's uh, let's talk I, about. And today. I have respect for oh. Georgia. You know, yeah, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Georgia's cool. Uh, I mean, yeah. Georgia's not cool. Atlanta's cool. Georgia sucks. Um, yeah, big peach, big peach guy over here. Yeah. yeah oh, I love a peach. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, speaking of no, I would <laughs> today. We, peaches. Yeah. <laughs> Today we have a very fun topic, not your, you know, average us, best sports, best Halloween. We're talking about women, not just any women, but women on the edge. edge. I feel like that's a lot of women right now in the country. (laughs) Um, And we're talking about women as only three guys on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The most important people to have this conversation. We Uh, had, uh, we, we, we. We, we we stumbled on this prompt. It was a, it was a little bit of a prompt by committee. Um, Jason, I am curious. There's no wrong answer here because, sure. like I said, we kind of came to this organically. What does a, a movie about a woman or women on the edge mean to you? I mean, it's somewhat self-explanatory. I guess it's right in there. But like, is that a is that a, does that recall certain <laughs> tropes? You know what I mean? Like if it was like a horror totally, movie, yeah. Think about yeah. In my mind, woman on the edge. Um, it's sort of like a niche genre in that like it's it's about character more than it's about plot, right? So a- any sort of plot can fit in this, but you know, ideally the main character or maybe even the antagonist, uh, you know, protagonist, antagonist, whatever, uh, is someone who just like you wouldn't, you'd be afraid to be in the same room with. It's not necessarily like a good or bad afraid, you know? I think it's mostly like somebody who is a little bit terrorizing. And I always think of it as like, if they're in your family, like, how would you react to them? You know, and these are people like on the edge. Um, mm. You know, I, I think that sort of speaks for itself, like someone who's like going a little crazy and the rest of the world is dealing with them as they start to lose. It. So, yeah. I think, nice. uh, nice. I think that's well put. And I also think um, like you say, Jason, to build off that, I guess, like to me, when we were, as we were interpreting the prompt um, and getting you our picks, it's like, uh unfortunately uh and only until very recently like there have been women in films since the beginning of film but in terms of like main characters or even god forbid behind the camera or you know (laughs) writing this uh i feel like it's a different kind of movie than the kind of love interest or like the his girl friday or like the kind of girl who can hang stereotype reliable whatever this is like whether it's because they're badass or because they'll cut you or because whatever, this is a little bit more of like, hang on, you know, this is not your kind of typical stereotypical uh, film character. So I feel like only in like the second half of film history, have we started to see these movies come up? Yeah. Cause normally it's men on the edge. Cause men are just fucking insane and unhinged. Exactly. And doing yeah. whatever they We're used to seeing that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But women, uh, like you said, I, when do you think this like trope or this genre or this this type of movie started? Like, is there 
it'd be hard to pinpoint the exact movie, but I'd say like probably in the late 50s, early 60s, you had stuff like All About Eve and uh, What Happened to Baby Jane and then also Sunset Boulevard where we're presented with uh, women who have sort of gone crazy before. I think you're totally right. Um, the badass male caricature of like a guy getting revenge or going nuts um, was so prevalent. You know, it was both in monster movies and like I said, revenge or war movies or just like, uh, again, People on the Edge was very popular and we really didn't extend that to anybody. I think like if I had to pinpoint the start, maybe All About Eve is like the, like the, the at least the most mainstream one where I could say like, here's one about a Hollywood actress who's starting to to lose it. And then Sunset Boulevard, I think, uh, again, both coincidentally Billy Wilder movies, um, cementing it into the lexicon of like, oh, you can do this. There is a place for it. And also an audience, right? Like these genres wouldn't catch on if people didn't watch and love these movies. Um, but yeah, like that's probably around time. I'm sure someone in the comments will correct me and tell me the exact time. But uh, okay, for well, me, that's, um, that's what I everything think, you yeah. just said, it didn't make any sense to me because yeah. I <laughs> I didn't even know movies were made before 1984. Maybe yeah, this maybe is were movie were made strong in prejudice against pre 1984 movies, uh, <laughs> Jason. We just uh, we just don't you know. The cameras were worse, you know, right. everyone was in black and white. They look different. And so we just throw all those movies out. We start <laughs> 1984 on like any respectable film podcast yeah. should. If a movie is in black and white, it's just divisive. OK, we're not trying yeah, to have a racist. It's, it's low key okay. racist. Probably. It's low key yeah. racist. Uh, why yeah. are you well, that's a problematic that? feeling coming out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, if I had to look, if I had to pick only in the 80s, um, I feel like you guys have picked uh, titles that maybe would spawn the, the earliest you could go back. Um, well, when, when we finally came up with Women on the Edge, was was there a movie that came to mind instantly to you, or did you have a thought on what you would choose for this prompt? Sure, yeah. I mean, look, I probably would have gone with Sunset Boulevard, one of these older movies, or... Again, not keep... sure what that is. It's a street. Right. I know it's a street. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I LA. had to go current, I would have gone uh, Terminator 2. That would have been my Ooh. thing. Yeah. I Which we've think... done. Which yeah, we have covered. So, um, yes, we've sure. but yeah. that is, that a, was that on is our, a very good choice. That was on our Robots on the Edge episode, unfortunately, so <laughs> yeah, I didn't perfect. want to double up. I don't yeah. think I've fully watched this movie, and if I had, maybe it would have been my choice, but when uh, it just came to mind as we were talking here, and that was Audition. Oh, yeah. Great one, yeah. I'm not familiar with that movie at all. What is that? Yeah, uh, audition is, movie, is a Korean film or is it Japanese? It's Korean, yeah. It's Korean, and... Ooh. Let's double we check. Maybe, Leonard, keep talking. Um, <laughs> it is. It's about a young woman, and she goes out to audition for like either like a role. I don't know if it's in a play or a movie, but it was all like a farce. It was just this dude, like I think, like trying to like hit on her or find a way to like date her or something. Or and she's just like you see her. She goes to this audition, and then you come back to her house, and you like are in her house, and it's literally just like nothing in her apartment, and it's just her phone. And it's just like her waiting by the phone to see if she got this part. And like, it's just like her like going crazy and just waiting and waiting to see if she's got this part. And then I think she like, and get some revenge or something. Yeah, anything, that, that sounds like yeah. a very interesting Japanese movie, Leonard. Okay. Great. Yes. Yes. Is it Takashi Miike? Is that too? Oh, uh, now you're going to make me look it up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. All I also like, uh, every question about audition has to be out in the next 30 seconds. Sorry, I'm not pulling up this tab again. <laughs> I yes, Takashi Miike. Yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't want to. I should have gone with Japanese. I knew that. But um, I also love Young Adult. I don't know if you guys have seen that Charlize Theron movie. No, uh, I have not. Yeah. But I know what you're talking yeah. about with Pat Oswalt. <laughs> yeah, it's on HBO Max right now. You can check it out. Uh, we okay. can stop and go. But uh, <laughs> that one also came to mind in terms of like something current. But that one's amazing. It's about a woman 
who finds out her high school uh, boyfriend and his wife have had a kid and she goes back to her hometown to win him back. She's like, oh, that sounds awful. I'll go free him and um, take him away with me. And that's like like pure psychotic behavior. And that's easily one of my favorite films, uh, maybe of all time. But I just think like like full psychosis of, of somebody. And, and the whole movie is about unwrapping that and also sort of being on her side but like uh, cringe comedy, you know, like uh, I think a lot of these do fall into that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. That okay. sounds great. Let's take a quick 90 to two hour break, uh, 90 <laughs> minutes to two hour break. We're just going to go watch young adult. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to the film versus film podcast. We have just all watched young adult. We found it delightful. Leonard, what was your favorite part? <laughs> Charlie Theron. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. Like Can't go wrong there. Yeah. You know what my yep, favorite yep. was? What was that? Pat Oswalt. <laughs> you guys crashed. You know, yeah. I'm a big fan of the HBO Max app, but uh there were some sound problems. There were some mixing problems and that's oh, really? what I really have to say. Yeah, that's about it. Wow, okay, that's a bummer. For me, I got all of the young adult in and it was no problem <laughs> for me. Um well, we're here to talk about young adult and also two other films that we chose for this uh prompt. <laughs> we've hinted at them, we've circled around them, but uh Leonard, why don't you get us started? Talk about the movie you picked and uh why you picked it. Well, Jason said earlier that he would have chosen Terminator 2, and I feel like this kind of falls in that same category. It's a sequel. It's a female lead. Uh, I mean, I guess with Terminator 2, with Arnold, anyways, it doesn't matter. I'm talking about the movie Aliens with an S. With an S. Not Alien, but Aliens. (laughs) It is um, James Cameron directed it is a very different movie than the first movie. The first one is like what, a, like a, a, a horror, horror haunted movie? house, yeah, horror. A horror haunted yeah. house movie. Sci-fi. And this one is more of a, a, a suspenseful thriller action movie. It's basically an action movie. Um, <clears throat> it really ramps up in the second, uh, second half, second act, third act. Um, we are following Sigourney Weaver's character, um, uh, Ripley. And she has been in space. Uh, she escaped the ship. If you've seen the first alien, she escapes the ship in a pod. She is in hyper sleep. She finds out that she's been asleep for 49 years when she gets salvaged. 57 gets, years. 57 years. 57 years when she gets rescued um, by the ship. And uh, lo and behold, uh, this ship is holding a crew that is about to go to a planet uh, that has uh, been maybe cultivating these species or where these species, where she landed and originally saw the alien species. And instead of taking her home, she is now the only human being that has seen these species. So she is now a part of the mission and she is um, not about it. We see that if she is having issues, uh, she is for sure on the edge. She cannot sleep the uh, in her psych evaluation. Apparently, I don't know how um, Paul Reiser knows this, but she wakes up every single night <laughs> and from the same exact dream. And uh, they have first, that technology she, in the future. They can yeah, yeah, I don't know how a, he knows. It's a this. wonderful future. Yeah, she's been a, she's been in this fucking pod for fifty seven years, and he's known her for like a month. I don't know the timing of how long she's in the ship before they go to the planet is kind of weird. I don't know how long they don't <laughs> yeah, really. But- is that a is that a pacing issue with the movie or is that just a in space when you're not rotating around a sun? You know, how do yeah. you really pass the time? <laughs> it's exactly. dark a lot. Yeah, It's all yeah. one long day. So we go on the mission. She tries to warn everyone about the level of these aliens, how serious the situation is. And no one is taking her seriously. They all think she's just some civilian woman who doesn't know what she's talking about. 
She's blowing things out of proportion. And then we learn that she's right and that she's fucking badass. And uh, we find a little girl on this planet, the only survivor. And this obviously is uh, kind of a main driving point in the movie and gives uh, Ripley some, I guess, humanity, humanity. where she, yeah, <laughs> look at that, where, <laughs> where she was a cold hearted fucking just straight up gangster who didn't give a fuck about much. But um, now she, there is something that is bringing her back from the edge and uh, kind of the driving force uh, for her to survive. And uh, it's a pretty goddamn good movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this, I, I think we'd all seen this movie before, so we don't have to go through our, our normal round of, have you seen this? Um, but I will say like <laughs> Leonard, you did a great job summarizing it, but I feel like if you're really trying to sell someone on aliens, all you really need to say is like, this movie just sort of kicks ass. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> like it, it's uh it's just like a full, you're, you're absolutely right. Like the first thing you said, I think is like the most important. Whereas like Ripley, Ripley, Ridley Scott made a, a really brilliant, scary, unique, fucked up, like uh haunted house horror movie in a sci-fi genre. And then, so like he was already melding the genres and then it's like, how do we do it again? It's a sequel that came out seven years after the original. And they're like, why don't we just fucking make it like, let me put a bunch of, mil-? you know what I want to see? Like, it's almost like the worst idea how sequels are all escalation. <laughs> it's like, there should be a bunch of aliens, not just the one. And when we just got guys with machine guns, just killing them and lighting them on fire. And it's like, that sounds stupid. But when you get James Cameron, who's such a wonk for like military specifics and doing everything practical or as practical as you can. <laughs> Like, yeah. So Alien, The Way of Water is just like a total triumph, I think, for me. It's kind uh, of Jason. crazy because this was, it feels like this was kind of the start of the genre. Like, this came out before Predator. This came out before, like, Terminator yeah. 2. It was like the, I don't know if there were many movies that were like this, like, action-centric with, like, fantastical elements as well. Sci-fi, it, fantastic, fantastic. No, yeah, it definitely built a genre. I think maybe I'll get this wrong, but like James Cameron had written a script. It wasn't greenlit, but people loved it. It was coming back around people. I would say like at the time, like he was kind of just this young firebrand of like, is this guy any good? He's sort of a genius technically. And uh, he'd made Terminator, right? Just to no, get the timeline, right? Not the I second one, but the first he, one, I think. I think he had written Terminator or he had written it. Nobody would make it. Then he did this. Uh, Cause this is what? 1984. Terminator six. is 84. This is 86. Yeah, so the 86. I'm going to real quick, just so yeah. we, he had made the Terminator two years prior. After, before that, the only thing he'd done is Piranha 2, which I've never seen, but I yeah. know people talk about whatever. So it was Terminator, yeah, Aliens, yeah. and then The Abyss in 1989. That was his 80s. Um, yeah. So this was his second big movie after Piranha, or after Piranha yeah. and Terminator. I think the story goes, like, people were so impressed with the script he wrote, they let him make the Terminator, and he, like, that's like a fully, almost fully independently financed movie with them. Um, people chipping in and whatever then a studio uh, uh whatever acquired it and then from acquiring it they're like you can go do aliens now this is you've like yeah it was a it. big budget this is the yeah. big budget version of that and uh yeah. i was about to go somewhere with that but i lost it um well i'll just say like <laughs> talking about the era of stallone because yeah like maybe I mean, yeah, Schwarzenegger and Stallone are action movie guys at this point. The first Rambo had come out by this time and maybe even the second one. So the idea of like someone walking around with a big friggin' machine gun, just picking people off was not totally unique. Um, And but the cool thing about this, and we've seen Jim Cameron do it again with the Terminator movies, um, is that like it's instead of 250 pound slab of beef Arnold Schwarzenegger, you have 
in shape, but fairly yeah. skinny and otherwise unimposing Scorny Weaver just kicking ass in this movie, which is a cool I don't thing know if see. she's unimposing, yeah. man. There's something about her. I think you is. might <laughs> think she's unimposing until you see her kick some ass. But yes, yeah. I, I mean, she's... Uh, um, I would say that when she wakes up in this movie, she is already on the edge and you already... Um, it benefits from like the audience being on her side because you know what she's been through. You know, mm-hmm. and the crew is like so far behind on like, oh, it's an alien. Oh, it's like a big alien that vomits acid. Like, I, you know, like, I don't know about that. But it's like, we're already sort of with her. Um, so like, I, I would, you know, I, I'm going to be on Leonard's side here. I do think she is imposing in a way because you know what she's already survived and then you know how bad it could be. Like the first alien movie, I think if there's just, aside from the face huggers, one alien. And in this, they're like, what if there were a planet full of them? You know, it's yeah. such a scarier idea of like, you know, one took out a whole ship. What if we have a ton of well, them? Talking about scary ideas. Let's talk about Quinn's movie. Oof, you're right. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll t- I'm going to ask a question after we discuss your we, what your pick is. Okay. Uh, I picked Misery. It's the 2010 single from Maroon 5. It went to number one on the U.S. <laughs> adult top 40 and the Venezuelan pop rock general. Off their album, Hands All Over. It features the classic songwriting group. We got Adam Levine on vocals. We got Jesse When did you Carmine. come up with this oh, joke? I'm, when did you come uh, up with this joke? Probably Weeks, 15 yeah. minutes after I picked the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. We all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the James Kahn, Kathy Bates, two-hander, Misery, based on the Stephen King novel of a struggling writer, who uh, actually he's not a struggling writer, a, str- a writer struggling to be something more, to be something else. He's written a, a series of novels uh, about a uh, Victorian romance novels about a main character named Misery, which uh, have brought him great success. But he wants to do something else. He wants to do something a little bit more mature, a little more adult, a little bit more outside the realm of what people are expecting from him. And uh, he he he, you know, gets in a little bit of trouble. He, his car <laughs> goes off the road. His, uh, he winds up uh, unconscious in a ditch and he is saved by the, maybe fair to call her an archangel, but that's probably even a little bit too charitable of uh, Annie Wilkes, brings him back home, fixes him up. Unfortunately, his legs are broken and he soon winds up realizing. They're like, they're not even just broken. They're like they're mangled. Yeah. mangled. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. The word is it's a mangled. real injury. Yeah. Uh, well, it gets worse there, but uh, he finds his legs are broken. He is effectively a prisoner in her Colorado home where they are snowed in or they may as well be. And, and she's keeping him bedridden, keeping him hostage. And she forces him uh, to write the ending for misery or, or rather bring her back to life and write the continuing adventures of misery that she feels uh, that character deserves and misery as you may have by this point picked up is a double entendre because james Kahn oh. is also experiencing misery so <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a very small i don't I, I wouldn't say the stakes are small but i get like it's a small scale horror movie especially yeah. from what you're used to seeing from stephen king i have read the novel from this one i actually read the book before i wound up seeing the movie it took me a little Wow. I don't think I saw this movie until I was in like high school or college um, for the first time. And uh, it took me a little bit, but I'd read the book and the book is like maybe the scariest Stephen King book I've read. Like really? th- there's something real Ooh. fucked up about the psychology of this. Story. I was going to say, I feel like reading that would be so frustrating. I feel like that would just, but it's scary. He gets into some things where he's yeah. describing her as like some sort of like long dead ancient golem kind of like the, 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 <laughs> the, 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 the behind the eyes, there's nothing behind the eyes and, and the, the language yeah. he uses and also just the predicament of being, uh, I think for some people like the, the clown from it 
is very scary. Never actually sure. terrified me in my day to day because I don't believe in that. Um, but right. people are crazy. And, and the idea that yeah. this woman is psychotic uh, on the edge, uh, she may be over the edge. I think at times she wobbles on yeah. that edge. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and the idea that she like holds his life in her hands. And what Kathy Bates brings out from the movie and from the story so well is that at times she's almost quite normal. Like she can be yeah. nice. And, and I think it's that veneer, that thin layer of like, uh, you know, that we put on for the outside world. And then you see the crazy underneath is, is pretty frightening to me. I, I've, I've seen that with Leonard a, many yeah. times. Leonard goes <laughs> full misery. He's, he just locks you up. No, he's shaking his head. No, Leonard, I'll be honest with you, man. <laughs> When I started giving that description, uh, for those that are just listening and cannot see this, which is most people, uh, Leonard did this move where he leaned back and his eyes went wide. And I said, oh, no, Leonard watched the wrong movie. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going until he tells me to stop. Leonard, what what about my summary bothers you? No, I'm just thinking about I hate this woman. I just hate her. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, yeah. the movie is a great it's a great movie. And you're yeah. just discussing. I'm just thinking about there's some rent. I was just thinking about how this woman seems like a QAnon fucking like crazy oh, the internet ass. would not have been good for this woman yeah, yeah she would have been, been it would have been bad she would not have helped she would have been like some QAnon crazy like alt-right I feel like type person but she also killed babies so it's like pick a lane yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing just do one thing you're supposed to save that you're not you're a baby killer like and but that is a reveal in the third act that we're like okay she is crazy crazy like she the reason why yeah. i was shaking my head was because she's not on the edge this bitch is she's in outer space she is ridley she is <laughs> she is gone bro there is no edge okay she she is the earth is flat and she's fucking somewhere else okay she's Kyrie <laughs> Irving like on crack like i don't know what's happening she is in she's unhinged bro and it was great it's such a good fucking movie man just like the reason why i am a person like sexually i'll tell you what my kink is not oh, oh it, wonderful and that is okay. not being restrained in any type of way not right. being in control like being tied to a bed being stuck in something i that is like a fear like it's not even a fear because it's not what about that time about. you got it's stuck. not something i ever want to be in a position <laughs> what about that time learned you were getting your clothes out of the dryer and you got stuck was that oh that was terrible someone put their dick in my butt <laughs> it was awful well, i was stuck <laughs> you know you just it was a crime of opportunity um let, uh, jason as someone that we have hobbled and strapped to a bed to be on this podcast as a screenwriter yeah. for real though, <laughs> right. uh, does this yeah. resonate with you? Like I, you are used to uh, writing stories, uh, writing scripts, putting them out there, having them read by people and having, and would you rather like someone give you uh, like lukewarm feedback to your latest uh, script, or would you rather they take a sledgehammer and <laughs> kneecap you? What, what, what's the preference? <laughs> So I think yeah, it's a very yeah, writerly movie. It's written by a writer. It's just, about it's, a writer. Yeah. Yeah. I can see you trying to appease me. Uh, that won't go unnoticed. So much of <laughs> so much of misery is just relatable. I think, look, as as a writer, but also just like something we talk about all the time, I feel like now on, on Twitter is like toxic fandom, right? Like all these people mm. bullying people into being like, release the restore the Snyderverse. Marvel's phase four should have blah blah blah. It's like fans have become so untitled and so insane that they maybe don't realize that they are Kathy Bates in misery. And they are like, I mean, look, you see all the crazy fan interaction. Like they are willing to hobble people to get whatever they want, you know, or like, it does not seem like that far fetched. Science. 
It does yeah, not exactly. seem like an so, insanely yeah. far fetched no, movie. That's that's what's so scary about yeah. it. It's yeah. not that it's not yeah. far fetched. I mean, that is that this crazy person would be his biggest fan. And, but then it's like it's not that far fetched because she moved there because she knows that that's where he writes all yeah. his books. So it's like yeah. the the scenario is very believable to me, and it's just like. You know how I am. I'm like, oh, that's a reach, or this this feels like they wrote yeah. this just to, and then it's like, no, this all feels very real. The only thing that I was like, uh, I questioned a little was like, nobody knew this bitch was killing all these babies. She was in all these newspapers and shit. <laughs> nobody knows. He didn't realize until he saw her almost like have some fucking road rage. So it took it took a road raid incident for him to be like, hmm, wait a pre, second, pre internet, did she you know? kill a bunch of babies? <laughs> <laughs> no man you can go off the grid in colorado easy i think yeah, <laughs> you can just get a little yeah. shy so many of these people yeah um yeah no i mean okay i have a the question toxic fandom point is well well put jason sorry leonard yeah. your question what scenario would you rather be in would you rather be <laughs> stuck in a room with the super fan like the original moment of waking up both of your legs are mangled and this woman is taking care of you or would you rather have woken up after being in hypersleep for 50, 57 years and then being like, oh, we're going to a planet with all the aliens, possibly. <laughs> Can I answer this one first? Because I feel like uh, I've got a take. So uh, I, I, I aim to please uh, just as a general rule. And I feel like every time I see movies like Misery or you know anything where like a character is forced to kind of weigh his like principles versus his well-being... I guess what I'm saying is I would have been Annie Wilkes's number one patient. The second that I found out things are going wrong, I'd be like, yeah, I'll write this new book for you. What, how do you want it? Do you want to be in the book, Annie? Like, oh, this character named Annie is Misery's best friend. And I just pound out that novel and then I just give her everything she wants until she let me go. Until my leg healed and I could just walk out of that. She's never room. letting James Connors yeah, exactly. go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, he's never be letting nice. you go, bro. No, she'd let me go. I'd be nice. We'd be buddies. <laughs> you know, for me, uh, I think uh, getting notes is a difficult and annoying process in general. Um, and knowing that I'd have to get them from a fucking idiot over and over again forever is like, not, uh, I'd say, uh, that's, that's, that's scarier a than a planet full of acid. Absolutely. Yeah. Like aliens. at least on a planet, you have some agency. It's like, you feel like you can fight back. You get to use a flamethrower. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Get away from her. You bitch. You know, like there's like a, there's a cat, you know, there's a kid named Newt. Like, win-win, uh, game over, man. Like, you have other people around to commiserate with. Um, you could not pay me money to stay in a cabin for an hour with Kathy Bates in misery. I, you I know, love, I love alien planet all day. Aliens are scarier than getting notes from an idiot. Is, is... Yeah. <laughs> all right, Leonard, same question. What would you rather? I, I want the agency. I want the freedom. I want to be able yeah. to fucking blast and go out into glory, possibly, than be fucking... You can't even kill yourself. You're just stuck in this room. Like you can't do anything. You have no power. So I'm 100%. I'm not fucking with misery. Ain't no way. The book is also not to, you know, I've read the book ages ago and I don't have that many more specifics about it to recall, but in the book, it's like, Jay, you've read the book, right? I feel like I have read the book. Okay. Yeah. Um, She like cuts parts of him off. So the hobbling as, as gruesome as it is, she literally like takes fingers and stuff first when he won't, Right. And it's like, that's why that movie, that book to me was so terrifying. And I realized I just chose that scenario. But again, I think I could sweet talk my way into at least fingers. This motherfucker's a writer. He needs the type. That's what I'm saying. Like she keeps his, she keeps his, uh, yeah, his his digits. Yeah. 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 It's fucked, man. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's just messed up. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we've talked about both these movies. I want to. I want to go back to. Let's shift back to Alien for a moment because there's a lot going on in Alien, and aliens. I got to be honest. Aliens. Alien. Oh, yeah. sorry. There's a lot going on in Aliens. Um, <laughs> that's my one problem with the movie is I think just slapping an S on something in, in Aliens it's the most fitting. Well, have I you heard? Feel like, have you heard the story about James Cam- Cameron like apparently uh, trying to pitch this script to the uh, the uh, <laughs> the movie? <laughs> Okay, the studio, the, studio the, executives, uh, yeah. the executives. He just put alien, and then he put a money symbol after it on a on a whiteboard and just walked away. <laughs> See, I would have loved it if they did that. If it was just aliens, kaching, yeah. like it was with the money sign through it. Keep that. What? Um, James Cameron's famous for having those crazy pitches. When he did Terminator, he paid a guy to dress like Arnold in the original Terminator. And then to break down the door of an executive, like push through and like push him against the wall and like freak him out. Like, and he was like, just to like prove that it was scary. And I always think like, like that's maybe something you can get away with in the eighties. But if I did that now, I would be in handcuffs. You would be Kathy Bates in misery, right? (laughs) That is like the character. Yeah. He threw hot coffee on an executive. He goes, now imagine if that was acid blood. (laughs) Right. You feel that burning? Think about it going five levels deeper. Um, Are you you were gonna say something about aliens, Quinn? Yes. Um so like uh this movie has uh I don't think it's like as far as like director's cuts go, uh the the version that made it into theaters is kind of the accepted version. There's not that much controversy. David Fincher, who made Alien Three, I know there's a whole I never even seen that movie. There's a whole yeah. like the assembly cut versus the cut that came out versus David Fincher doesn't like any of them. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> aliens um <laughs> is like apparently i saw a version of this movie the first time i ever saw it which is like 15 years ago or something i watched it on tv and it was probably amc or something and they were promoting i, I kind of didn't realize it until later that this was like the director's cut with like deleted scenes added in this was the era yeah. of dvds and making movies worse by adding scenes that were cut out for good reason <laughs> um so i wound up watching this movie on tv and uh, they added a lot of scenes. One such scene, which to me, because it took me a, a number of years before I wound up seeing this movie again. So I just had it in my head as canon is when Ripley is defrosted and in the future, she's 57 years after the events of Alien. Uh, Paul Reiser, who is such a smarmy, like, first of all, it, he really like kind of just when uh, 25 however many years later he was making avatar i feel like james cameron just gave the dvd of aliens to giovanni ribisi and he said (laughs) you're playing this character you're paul riser the guy who cares about money over everything else that's you anyway um there's a lot there's a couple avatar similarities but uh he's like he tells her uh about the time and she freaks out and there's that very effective scene where it winds up she's dreaming but what is also revealed is that she has a she had a daughter in the original alien she had she'd she had a daughter somewhere back on earth, I guess. And in the 57 years that she's been frozen, that daughter has grown to be an old lady and even actually dies, uh, even though <laughs> she was only 11 in the original, I guess she died a little young. Um, and Ripley freaks out. And that informs so much of the rest of the movie, like the fact That's that she finds she's Newt so, and okay. she's so protective of Newt and she goes back. And now yeah. I actually kind of like that they cut it out because I think Ripley being more of a cipher kind of works better. And I don't think, you need to we're talking about women on the edge i don't think you need to make her a mother already for her to to, sure you know want to save a a struggling little girl but it apparently sigourney weaver when she found out that that had been cut um 
was very uh was bummed because she's like well this informed my whole performance i was playing a character who had a daughter that she found out was grown and died like the end of interstellar or whatever and it's just a very interesting thing that when i saw this movie again i forgot that i'd seen it again i've seen it in the interim but i was like oh yeah she doesn't have the daughter i always forget that she doesn't have the daughter in the official version of this movie pretty pertinent information because when that happened and it was like 57 years i was like damn everybody she knows is dead but then i was like Ripley doesn't. She doesn't seem to have many friends. Exactly. She doesn't have any family, so this doesn't really mean anything. But now knowing that, it's like, damn, that changes the whole dynamic of the entire movie. It also shades because there's a whole thing where, like, I told her I was going to be back for her 11th birthday. That's a little Disney to me because it's like, why would you go on a? Why would you go with the on this ship? And like the the original alien, that (laughs) character does not feel like she has a kid. And granted, there's no one way that you act when you have a kid. It just it feels like they just shoehorn that in, and I'm kind of glad they took it out. But to me, that I was like, what about the daughter? And it was very funny. I was halfway into this movie where I realized probably when they met Newt that I'm like, oh yeah, this yeah. D- no longer registers the same way. It definitely you know is that, interesting on, I did, I did not know that it's, it's interesting on different levels. Cause I always think aliens is like, like the perfect mother's day movie, right? Because you have <laughs> this sort of like, uh, you have like the, like so much of what we talk about in aliens is the queen, right? You have the queen and she's always protecting her egg sacs and whatever. And then, I think juxtaposing that against Scorny Weaver's character, Ripley, like protecting Newt, you know, who is also like an orphan left behind. I felt mm. like they were both like orphans. There's, there's something there. And if you add in the daughter element, obviously it sort of puts all that stuff on the nose. Like she's repairing her daughter when what I think is like maybe more subtle is the idea of like two women who are completely left behind of their crews eaten by aliens. It's like more of like a generational thing. I think you get the mom yeah. thing out of it without it being oh, it's way more subtle. Um, it's interesting that she was bummed and it, I could see how it informed her performance, but really like for me, the performance in that movie is the PTSD of what happened in alien. She's like, yeah. I just got out of a haunted house. It was terrible. I fell and fell asleep. I thought I was going to be saved. And instead you're bringing me to a much worse haunted house. Like that kind of thing of like the, the terror of that. And also just like the idea of like, when will I ever, like I thought I escaped once. How can I escape again? You know? And the yeah. fact that this is happening to her and the whole experience on the ship in alien was like literally two days ago. Like it was like, this was right. Was, exactly. Or by the yeah. time they get to the planet, it was like, Oh, that was a week ago or two weeks ago that I just yeah. fucking dealt with this. I also love that thing where yeah. she's given her debrief in the corporate offices and uh, they're like laughing. First of all, we know from the military yeah. gr- unit later, which if I have another very minor critique, I love all the, the military stuff, Bill Paxton, RIP, Michael Bain, all yeah. those guys are great. Um, Vasquez and the whole crew. He, he establishes a bunch of grunts in a very short period of time. It's a very economical movie. I'm very impressed by watching yeah. it again. But um, that scene where she's being debriefed before she goes on the, the trip uh, and they're like, an alien with acid blood? Like they're, they're looking at her like she has two heads as if like the very idea of life on earth. But then you go with the military scene and you got i think it's paxton or one of them talking about it goes is this gonna be another bug squish like oh, i hate killing bugs so it's like you would, we know that there are other life forms other aliens that in yeah. fact the military now is in some kind of business of going to and annihilating so the idea that sigourney and trying to like, weaponize and, right well i guess the military the is idea Paul that, Reiser's that, that sigourney is. weaver's yeah. like yo there's some bad ones on here and they're like yeah right like it just it's like it's a weird thing where it's like if you believed in poltergeist or, or some kind of benign right. ghost and then someone's like well this one's angry you'd be like okay like you wouldn't still treat them like ghosts aren't real like they're treating her like yeah. aliens don't even exist and then the military is like well, we fucking kill aliens all the time so it's a weird uh switch there but um yeah i mean what a what a a thrill ride. I mean, James Cameron movies just really don't 
stop happening. Like once they right. kind of get going, yeah. they really they have an know. engine. Yeah, he knows what he's yeah. doing, and so you're like, this is what a two hour and twenty minute movie, but it just kind just of about. like, yeah, you, it hits the gas pedal the whole time, and I, I do feel like you're so engaged in not just her emotional journey, but like um, you do get attached to the grunts, you do you know, get involved in the people. And that's what I think sets Ripley's character out so much is like, these are military people. They've seen a bunch of shit. It's crazy. But like the person who's most crazy for lack of a better term in this movie is still Ripley. Like she's still like, like the number one badass list to me, like in a way where like these people have seen, as Quinn just noted, alien wars. They've been on other planets shooting bugs at some point. And it's still like, she's the one you are most reliant on. Um, it's almost like this sort of like insane bravery of like, whatever, like, I know you've been through, we've been through a lot, but you've been through something that you can't comprehend. So it's, you know, it's interesting. This movie also uh, expands the lore of the aliens, the xenomorphs, uh, and in ways that I think a lot of stuff that people like, again, Ridley Scott's original is the standard, but this, like the idea of a queen, the idea of like their hive kind of, I mean, they don't have a hive mentality, but just that kind of way they like terraformed the the part of the base that they took yeah. over and the bringing humans back to use them as vessels that you put into a giant hive so that you can just use them as incubators is I'm fucking not, gnarly. I like f- it's a lot of, I feel like it's a hive mentality. They, they're the yeah, queen like tells them to stand down when she knows yeah. that she's about to destroy the eggs. But also the fact that these motherfuckers just blend in with the walls. They're, they were just all yeah, in yeah. there. That's the scene, scene where they're that coming down is, from above them. Is so, oh, my God. Yeah. That scene is so yeah. goddamn scary. It is just like, uh, yeah. if y'all don't get out of here. And just the fact <laughs> that you can't shoot them. It's just like. Yeah. You, yeah. He makes use of all their uh, traits, Powers. all their abilities yeah, and stuff in ways that are fun and, ex- and suspenseful. Yeah, um, I thought it, like the original Alien was so terrifying, but this is like it's as terrifying, but like in an action movie way, which like, we really don't have that many action horror movies. And this like sort of falls into place where like you still are very scared for what's going on. And there's something about 1986 when this movie came out is like, it all basically has to be practical. I know there's some like matte, you know, backgrounds and there's some, you know, frame, whatever, like in camera trickery, whatever you'd call it. But like, the creatures that shot of the alien coming out of the water in that little sewer area to, to scoop newt uh, is chilling because i remember that <laughs> shot but i'm just seeing her in that wide standing in the water and i'm like oh fucking alien it's coming you're, out of that they're kind of like the raptors in jurassic park Absolutely. like it's, yeah. it's very uh you're very they're so overmatched in that way um, everything that this movie has influenced since has never been as good i mean the raptors maybe withstanding but like there's so many things that like like super eight does the hive and the keeping the people stranger things does it too you know what i mean like there's lots of homages to this and have to like none of them will ever get the visceral terror that you get from these xenomorphs and and also from their strategy and their powers and all the other things the only part of the military i didn't like was how often they just the score for this futuristic movie was just like <laughs> drums like it's like the military yeah. hasn't updated their musical signifiers it's just like i'm like give me some like sort of a future theremin or something for the yeah, come on we, we know we know what the budget is in the u.s you know they're not, they're not sending that the music no. i mean i'm gonna bring this up later but we also haven't talked about the aspect of really having to worry about bishop and his fucking ai like that's another mm-hmm. thing she has to worry about yeah she, she like, has to overcome her prejudice <laughs> which is an important lesson for all of us it's to a, learn a beautiful message of the 80s yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All it takes is seeing someone split in half right in front of you. <laughs> I'm all out of milk. Um, so we talked about like 
aliens is the classic example of sequel escalation uh everything's bigger everything is more yeah. and it's it's really well done maybe the best example of that a sequel can give you um yeah except for terminator, terminator, terminator yeah, except yeah, for terminator yeah, 2 yeah, except yeah. for another james cameron, james movie, cameron. right yeah. yeah what about what but, about dark knight okay there may be a couple other examples of uh, a sequel escalation but uh but the, comparing it to the small-scale terror uh and suspense that you get in one shack in colorado i do think it, you know these are interesting films to talk about in that way um yeah. i find that like everybody most everybody in in aliens is giving a really good performance but like kathy bates who won the oscar which i was probably going to bring up when we talked about you know notable stats she won her oscar sure. for this movie i think it's her only oscar um it was definitely her first oscar yeah maybe and about um, did you win for about schmidt she may have won it again but that titanic yeah. i feel like she might even won for Titan- something weird maybe but, but she might have been nominated yeah 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 she is so scary in this movie but again it's not the kind of she like won. She won. She did win. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Good for her. It's she's so scary in this movie. She's deserving of that Oscar. And James Caan, who I don't know, you know, Jason, uh, your conception of a of a writer of Victorian romance novels. Does that person look like James Caan to you? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Sonny from The Godfather, of course. That's that's why he was so angry all the time. He couldn't come up with his endings, you know. That's right. That's right. Like, I'd rather writer, be I'd rather yeah. be shot through with a hundred bullets than to have to come up yeah. with one more misery novel. <laughs> I think the funnier, yeah. like it's like Stephen King being like, "I know I'm a nerd, but like, what if we got a hot guy to play me?" It's like every time, <laughs> yeah. like, buy a, you know, like yeah. you nailed it. I that's what Ryan, Stephen yeah. King thinks because Stephen King yeah. is often it feels like he's himself in a lot of these. But that's Absolutely. what Stephen King yeah. thinks writers are like is yeah, exactly. Jimmy Con, Hollywood seventy yeah, like sex symbol. <laughs> We have Ryan Gosling play me on this podcast. And I'm like, yes, I am six foot and live, you know? Yeah, someday. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess, Jason, what like when you first saw this movie, did it spook you? I mean, what was like as was it? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I saw it on TNT when it was raining at the beach when I was in like fifth grade. And I remember my parents were like, you could just watch tv like you know there's nothing to do at the jersey shore shout out new jersey uh hell yeah sea isle city uh and i like remember being like this movie looks boring and then like 10 minutes in i was like oh this is kind of creepy and then like the rest of the week i was like afraid of my elderly aunts you know i'm like stay away from me (laughs) i won't stay in bed but it it is like you know and and in watching it many many times since i I think it's like one of the great contained horror movies it just is it, it's never not scary, even though you know what's coming, right? The leg hobbling scene is maybe one of the most famous scenes in cinema history. But it's like, even though you know what's coming, it's still very visceral. And, and I think like the suffering too is just like, you know, I'm gonna get, like, I don't want to be tied down either. Maybe Leonard and I share many other kinks and neither of us are into I, the- I want to say the nuances yeah. in this, like just like every little thing, like, and I had seen this movie and I knew the movie, but like, Right yeah. when he's like, when he escapes the first time and he knocks over the penguin, I'm like, God damn it. No, no. Just yeah. like, just yeah. like little yeah. things like him knocking over a figurine. It's like, I'm freaked the fuck out because we know yeah. the consequences of, of him getting caught for doing anything are going to be severe. And then if you don't know, if you, if you, and you just your first, yeah. the first watch for anyone of this movie has got to be wild. Like not having any common knowledge about what's going yeah. to happen is got to be. Absolutely. The, experience. No shots at aliens, which is uh, you know, both of these movies 
traffic and suspense as much as horror, but like uh, both very suspense, both successful movies. There is no shot or moment in Aliens, which I would think of as the scarier film that is as terrifying to me as the fact that the camera does not it's all about when you cut right and when you see that like start to bend in and then like (laughs) i i cannot watch that without like like bringing my hands to my face or 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 just kind of literally did that "Ah!" while i was watching yeah yeah, it's so grody they Um, they don't show the second one they couldn't show this if they would have showed it twice it would have been like um no this is i think kathy bates did like a direct tv or some such commercial and they were doing a series of commercials where they took famous films and they like you know recreated the scene and and again i I probably have some of the details wrong but it's basically like she's talking to us the viewer as if we are uh you know the writer (laughs) and he's and she's saying like with it without direct tv you're not even getting all the channels and she's like she's like hefting that they and i'm just like (laughs) no this is i don't even the fucking direct tv commercial is too scary for me i don't like it yeah Uh, um i mean most of the rest i can get through but yeah, it goes down to like that. It's it's something that could happen to you, you know. Like, look, I don't have that many fans of my writing ability, but mm-hmm. uh, but like anytime I see a message on the comments or someone tweets how much they hate something, you know, like yeah, a couple am, of critics like, have threatened to hobble you, Jason. Yeah, exactly. Yes, there's always someone coming around, but like you know, it, it is like that next level terror, right? It's like it could happen to you. We do see it happen online. Like I made a joke about toxic fandom, but like I could see like a really creepy person like locking up whatever like a warner brothers person being like i need the other Zack snyder movies like, it, it just does feel like a thing you know it's not even like it's i mean not even the fan part just like someone could just lock you up for some wild ass reason because they're a crazy yeah. person because exactly yeah. we and see I it think, on the news all the time there's always yeah. like, oh, they sound so and so living in a basement you know like whatever like it's it's terrifying and i think before we we should transition into our five criteria but i think uh part of the, the terror part of it um, when you hear those news stories about so and so locks a bunch of people in a basement, it's usually a guy, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Let's be real; the, the the numbers are not in our favor here. <laughs> There's uh, usually a man involved, at least. It's usually you know, a man involved. Yeah, absolutely. Involved. Several yeah. men, you know. Uh, and so there is something about Kathy Bates who is otherwise not threatening. I think if you've yeah. seen Kathy Bates in anything before or since, you were not afraid of her. Um, and something also about a woman who's a little bit older. Uh, she's not old, but, you know, middle-aged. Uh, she's a little bit like, and a little bit, this is the kind of woman, I guess, that society would tend to overlook entirely. And Leonard, you Absolutely. brought up a good point, which is like, how does this person, and I know what you meant, you were getting a ton of difference. Like, how does this person exist in the world where people don't even, you know, because this is the kind of thing where a woman like Annie Wilkes hits a certain age, if she was ever regarded at all, and nobody cares. And it's like, you go, you live off in Colorado, you do your own thing. And you, you kind of get further and further and further into your mania where you are yeah. just building this world where it's like, if I could ever drag someone from the outside in here, they're living under my law. <laughs> and I yeah. think it goes back to Jason, where you talked about like toxic we, fandom. We call people that are really toxic fans with the Eminem song, Stan. I stand yeah. this, I stand that. I think the, the, if there's a, a term, like Annie Wilkes has got it, we got to bring it back into the lexicon. I feel like there's a lot of Annie Wilkes out there um, that we're not right, thinking about, even though, again, it's you. overwhelmingly men in this situation. But that's, do I think, you, part of what makes it so scary. Do sure. you think this was like a coincidence and it was like a moment where she took advantage of the situation? Or do you think she had been fantasizing about this this entire time? Ooh, I, good question. I'll be honest, in my rewatch, I was like, and again, I've read the book and I, I was pretty sure it wasn't in the book, but I was like, does she contrive the accent? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That, so I was kind of almost waiting for that. So I do think 
your question, Leonard, was did she was she waiting for this or was it a crime of opportunity? Yeah, a crime. I, I think, think she was I, waiting for it. I think, think she, she. You think she? Maybe was gonna, not to that extent. I think she's very much like there's a void there, and when she goes, well, you're not listening to me, so I have to punish you. I but I do I, think okay, she yeah. I thought it was a crime of opportunity and she took advantage okay. of the situation. I just love the tidbits, the the suspense that is built throughout this movie. Just like the the layers peeled back of how crazy she is. Cause like the like the first moment, the first conversation she has with him, she's like, Oh yeah, I'm your biggest fan. And you know, I know you come and write your books here. And you know, I was just watching your cabin and thinking the light in the window and thinking about it. I was like, wait, what? Bitch, you were outside yeah. of my cabin watching me? Like, hold on. <laughs> this is before she reveals his legs to him. So mm-hmm. it's like, all right, uh, I'm going to get out of here. And then you see the legs and you're like, okay, I am stuck with this woman. Like, this is yeah. not good. I definitely always felt that she had a hand in the crash, right? Because oh. swerves off the road and she's been watching him. Like, I don't, I, I don't think it was ever, I don't, I don't Look, I, I, I that's what I'm trying. I, I don't think it's closely. ever made explicit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the idea in, in my brain was like she's there for a very specific reason, and she's been waiting. You know, like this is someone with a lot of time that can okay. wait, that can do these things. And I kept thinking, like playing off the character, it's like society has no use for her, um, but she has use for society. You know, it's like oh, I'm going to do this. I know I can find this guy. I know where I can be. I know where I can disappear. You know, like you said, yeah. to your point about like she got all these fucking babies. Nobody knows where she is. Yeah, she knew where she was going. You know, like she <laughs> she had a great idea. <laughs> like, this is where I could be. And then okay. and then it's like playing. But like, I don't think that's gospel because I don't think it's ever she never says like, then I waited and put a rock in the road. So you, your car would flip. You know what I mean? It's always like, like you said, hinted at, but never prescribed. And um, I mean, she I did know. have a crowbar ready to pry him out of that car. So. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we haven't uh, talked about Bugsy though. My man Bugsy, uh, is it Buster? Buster, my man Buster. Buster. <laughs> so Bugsy, man, I love Buster, man, and it just sucks just knowing he's gonna get shot in the back. Dude, just, he I love the, the relationship. Total Doc Halloran treatment into The Shining. You just you wait yeah. for him the whole fucking movie to get like I'm coming to save you, bam, yep. okay, bam. <laughs> I just love that there was like a sane relationship in the movie. It was like, this yeah, is what right. people ha- should interact with each other. These people have known each other their entire lives and they love each other. And it's like, oh, yeah. it was just a cute relationship, this older couple. And it was just like, you needed that because <laughs> the other yeah. 75% of the movie was just like, I am going to kill myself. <laughs> so it's such a claustrophobic movie. It's true. Like yeah. and to go onto this, like such a tame subplot uh, is like, a breath of fresh air it's like oh thank yeah, god it releases the tension but then the, yeah, the tension yeah. can come back like you're it's always in the back of your mind where you're like yeah i'm, I'm happy i'm out but i'm also so worried about it yeah. <laughs> Let's do you think she was five. a good cook i just Ooh. do you think she was a good cook do you think her food i think she put good? effort in. absolutely yeah, I, not absolutely no not. Oh, i think she was good i think she followed the recipe she read those books yeah. front to back she doesn't read you know i think yeah. i think it's one of those things we're eating at someone else's house and you're not sure about that part of it and then it's like he's eating and he like pulls out a screw or something. You know what I mean? Like a no, I feel like her food was. I feel like her there. food was good. And can you yeah. imagine yeah. like being stuck in the situation? Be like, God damn, what did you put? What is it? What's in this? What, yeah. This is great. She's so <laughs> meticulous about everything. She has no reason to serve him bad food. She's like, you're here. I want you. You know, I want you to write. Here's some sustenance. You know? I'll tell you what, though. I believe she thinks it's good. I'm just saying I don't think <laughs> it's actually good. I'll tell you what, though. If I'm Jimmy Khan. Like I said, number one patient, I'm licking the bowl. I'm like, oh, man, you got to give me that recipe. <laughs> I'm just continuing to butter Look, up. Some more porridge. Yeah. 
Oh, well, that's so good. Was that squirrel? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. For real this time, let's move into our five criteria. These are patented five-step way to figure out the best film selected this week. As always, we start off with pop culture. I think we've talked about a lot of those things, but let's just list them again. I think for misery, uh, it's the hobbling scene. I don't know that yeah. there's too much more. I mean, I guess just Kathy Bates' performance, she won the Oscar in general, is pretty iconic. I would say most people would associate her with this role. Um, maybe not, but I, I mean, a lot of people yeah. would associate her with this role. I think in film genre, too, it's like a misery type situation comes up mm. a lot. Like even with Get Out a couple of years ago, right? It's like it, that, it is that. You know what I mean? It's not that. And Get Out, obviously, super original, lots of things, but like, it is a misery type thing where like a guy is, but he's stuck with the family, right? He's stuck with something mm -hmm. else. So I, I yeah, think like a like one location movie. Too, yeah, yeah. If you're going to add to it. Yeah, exactly. Limited location, whatever. But, um, but yeah, I think the situation and the hobbling to me are the two biggest. It's also a bit of a Hitchcock, almost like uh sure. rear window. Like when he's like trying to get out and around there, the Hitchcock, <laughs> bed. can you imagine like Jimmy Stewart in the bed and he's just being strangled <laughs> by Kathy Bates? Um, I think though, this one probably goes to alien, right? I mean, game over, man, game over. Yeah. They mostly come at night, mostly. Uh, <laughs> first of all, what is night on that planet? I didn't see daytime on that planet yeah. once. They, they re-released those Reeboks that uh, Ridley, uh, Ripley, yeah. Ripley is wearing, like, a few, like I think in 2020. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say that, like... Her look so in this weird. movie is iconic. Sigourney yeah, Weaver's look in this movie. Yeah. With the, with the fucking kid over one arm and the flamethrower in the yeah. other. Get yeah. away from her, you bitch. Right? Get away yeah. from her, you bitch. Yeah. yeah. Uh I will suit. say this. If you've listened yeah. to this podcast, you know I was a weird child, cynical child. But I I didn't like many things. I wasn't a Disney kid. I didn't like any like a lot of bullshit, but I I loved aliens. I had all of the alien action figures. I Amazing. like hang on. It's crazy all to the think alien that, action figures. What is did it, you not know that this was a very Ripley? big thing? Yeah. Yes. No, were all, you could buy all different action. types of alien. There was like as the more movies came out, there were different yeah. type of but I had hella xenomorphs and like <laughs> Would have people oh, would they blow, differentiate like, them? Were you just buying the same one? The no, xenomorphs all look alike. No, because no, you could no. get a queen. No, you could get a you big get a queen. queen. There's like blue, the blue exact. ones. They like had different color yeah. ones. And like when Alien 3, they like released different types of aliens and stuff. And like, I think yeah. okay. one. I was really into that as kids. So um, I don't know if that's really a huge thing in, in the zeitgeist or pop culture, but I remember it very specifically like, man, I need these alien action figures. Like, mm. uh, so did uh did you stick do you hang with like the third and fourth alien movie we could we i know we're in pop culture i think i've seen them all i've seen prometheus i've seen yeah i've seen prometheus and covenant but i don't i don't think i've never seen three and i've seen parts of four but it never really held my interest i think ripley's a clone in that movie not yeah ripley's a clone in the fourth one and uh and what's her name is in it uh winona Ryder's in it that's right there's a there's a there's a but there is a dope ass it's a weird one, but they're the scene where they have to swim. They have to oh, yeah. uh, swim oh, yeah. through the kitchen and go up the yeah. ladder, and she's carrying the like the dude with no legs, like on her back. That is a fucking fire ass scene. That's like yeah. really the only memorable part of the movie. But the movie is so so. But yeah, Aliens versus Predator is also uh, weirdly fun. You know, oh, like, I never saw that. That's a contained one, but it's like Adrian Brody and some other people, and they're just like on an island, like on a. It's an islander plant, doesn't matter, but like it's just populated by these, and the predators have come to hunt the aliens, like the ultimate prey. Uh, and then the humans are there too. It, it, it's like more fun than it should be. I'm not going to pretend that it's like a great movie or that it's like bland, like you know, but if you just want to like tune out and get high, like it's a pretty fun one. Isn't Kegel, I think Keegan you're Michael Key, 
Isn't Keegan Michael Key in that one? Or that's the new Predator. He's in the new Predator. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. The new Predator. Yeah, I never saw that one. It just looked really stupid, and I didn't hear great things about Alien versus Predator, so I never saw it. But I should watch it. It also feels like no shots of Predator. Uh, Maybe I need to watch it again. But it feels like it kind of cheapens Alien by continuously pairing it with Predator. I don't know. I I feel like the Aliens, the first three Aliens, just so different. Yeah. Say what you want about Alien Three. It was Ridley Scott. James Cameron and David Fincher and like that's yeah. like a, it's I kind of like that like a different kind of I need to go back and watch it because I don't remember this. much from Alien 3 I've never Alien seen it on, it's in he... a prison so like Ridley lands in a prison and there's of course check like your action weird... figures Leonard it's all the bald ones <laughs> in prison jumpsuits <laughs> yeah it's like Oz but with aliens but yeah she's on the prison planet aliens and fast well, alien three like is controversial together. spoiler but that movie fucking starts and i was thinking about that again a movie i've not seen but i was thinking about that at yeah. the end of this movie which has such a nice kind of ending and in fairness this is not a nice world i guess but like yeah. ridley puts uh you know she's she's come through and she likes the, the android and she puts him in his little pod and she puts newton a pod and she goes you can sleep now sweetie you can dream yeah. and then they go in and alien three starts with them crash landing on a planet everyone is dead including newt who's like eight yeah. And Ridley gets her head shaved and she's thrown in a hole and she's in, like in this prison she's population. Prison. It's wow. just like, you really had to do Newt like that. Newt hasn't gone through enough. Forget right. Michael There's Bain. also like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you pitch a sequel and you're like, the way to get rid of Newt is to kill her on screen. Off screen. In a, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah yeah just like in text and newt who we all learned to love and she risked her life for at the end of alien 2 is dead it's a little bit like poochie was called back to his home planet (laughs) i mean they had to kill her she wasn't she wasn't eight in 1993 what they did with the cat which is have her be like and you're staying here this time (laughs) exactly yeah um so i feel like pop culture obviously it's aliens Aliens. Um, yeah yeah hands down do these (laughs) movies hold up though that is our second point (sighs) I feel like they both hold up. Yeah, they yeah, kind of both hold up pretty well, actually. Yeah. I don't. I think fan culture, toxic fandom, kind of makes misery as I, relevant as it's ever been. And yeah. I also love that they did the little slight bit of like racism. Where he's like that Dago. I was like, oh, I mean, I was like, oh my god. Oh, okay. I I forgot about that part. Um, so she for sure would be a QAnon racist ass, Pollard yeah. fucking. I, I have a, actually, Leonard, and uh, this is a, a sensitive subject, so let's discuss it now on the podcast with no prep. But do, as, a, as, a, as a person of color, uh, when you see those moments, because for me, watching things, when a character is like evil, like just straight up evil, that's always the point. And then in like the third act, uh, this happened recently, I'll give a, a specific example with the, uh, the Netflix series. Oh, my God. Help me out, Jason. It was about vampires and it came out as about religion and vampires and it was a series not true blood no god damn it i'm gonna find on it Netflix? right now yeah Man, uh, the, the, the Witcher. i hate i hate that i don't have this right now because it's actually kind of a uh, um <laughs> it's actually kind of a it's the guy who did um those netflix series that are always the haunting of you know oh, Hill House oh and, yes um oh shit he did a show and he's awesome yeah he's great Yes, and uh, I'm really I'm, ruining the flow of this podcast. Yeah, what an example this, uh, you've given Mike us. Flanagan. Okay, here Mike we go. Mike Flanagan, go. yeah. Mike Flanagan made a show. We're getting there in 2021 called uh, Midnight Mass. Ooh, Midnight Mass. Yeah, I totally forgot they were Midnight Mass. Spoiler alert! Halfway through the runtime, yeah. you find out it's about vampires. Okay, and yes. there is this character 
who is it's about vampires but it's about vampires as viewed through an island of people who are deeply religious so they see blood from a vampire as like and and it brings people back to life so they see that like the blood of christ drink from me and live for like whatever the that might be and rice but anyway yeah <laughs> um they see all, the these, all these vampire things as religious things and it's actually kind of fascinating because it's about religious dogma and all that stuff so there's a character yeah. who's like the kind of town busybody she's super religious she's like didn't see at church you know she's one of those people and at the end of the series she has gained a lot of power uh within the community she's also a vampire um and so they're choosing because the sun's about to come up who gets to go in the church and then like the next day, the next evening, they're going to go out and expand beyond the island. And they're going to start spreading their vampire stuff. And there is a um, person of color on the island. He's uh, they're Muslim. Uh, and that's just their religion. That's not their race. I know. But she says to him at some point, she calls him like she makes a 9-11 joke or something like that. Yeah, she says something yeah. racist. And I watching this uh, was like, it's a, it's that thing. It's like, we already hate this character. This is where I was getting at Leonard. We already hate this character. And it feels like not overkill. This character probably would be racist, but it's always just, I wouldn't say it's funny. It's fucked up. It's always just funny when characters like, it feels like in the writer's room, they're like, how can we get this character who's already despicable to be a little bit worse? Yeah. It's lazy and like, writing. Yeah. And he will, they're like, yeah. just have him call someone a slur. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, that is how we get to hate them just a little bit more. So I don't know if those things to you, Leonard, if that feels like opportunism or if it's just like, yeah, these characters probably would be racist anyway. I don't know. But yeah, the the line is pretty crazy because the way she says it is, is the D word, is that a slur? Like, is that a bad, like, do I don't know. Like, no, uh, I've never I been around Italian people. Honestly, like I that. think in it, I think you can pretty much call Italian people, whatever you want. <laughs> but I, think, <laughs> I feel like I think the equivalent no lie, Italian a, people get it the worst. Like people always yeah. you do Italian accents and shit. And like Mario. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But the way she's like, I'm just gonna say it again. She's like, oh yeah, like uh, who's that? That Dago that painted the uh, what is it called? It's like what? Hold <laughs> on, what is happening right now? I know it just it, here's what I here's what I a, a quicker way of saying the same thing. It feels like seasoning on a meal of a villain. Sure. And she's like, let's throw in a sprinkle of racism just so you really know it. you hate him on all fronts. And yeah, I, find I mean, she's already done so it, many despicable things. Like, yeah. it would be. I mean, I don't know, like. I'd like just jump in as the writer, but like it does feel lazy. Um, even, like unless it was like a QAnon character, like if you remade this movie, then if you'd be like, yeah, okay, this absolutely tracks. These people are human garbage. But like at that point, we've I think when it happens, we've already revealed her like murderous backstory too. So it's mm. like, you know, I, like it's almost a bridge too far, and also like a weird one that it's like not only does she hate this, she hates Italians too. Like. You know, like such a weird way. I like, think they were just trying to paint her as like being very ignorant. Yeah. Because backwards. Dom and old, Perignon, old, old the Dom Perignon and like other <laughs> yeah. things. And it's just yeah. like. That's yeah. true. But I mean, okay, I yeah. still feel like overall this movie holds up and I feel like this could happen today in 2022. Yeah. Uh, it might be happening right now. Do we have any yeah. idea? <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone yeah. checked on Stephen King? He was in a car accident. Okay. This is fucking. Stephen King got in a pretty significant car accident in 1999 or thereabouts uh, after this movie and the book had been written and came out. And I wonder if in that moment where he's lying on the side of the road, he's like, Oh, I hope to God I'm not found by Annie Wilkes. And if you're Stephen <laughs> King, you write fucked up shit for a living. He probably was thinking he might be like the guy who picked yeah, him up. He's like, sure. thank God you're not Annie Wilkes. Oh, are we for going really? to the hospital? Yeah, sure. Steven, we'll be right there. <laughs> he just takes a left. We're on our way road. Yeah. Oh God. Um, um, I feel like aliens holds up very well. 
yeah, know, there's capitalistic the only interest. Thing... They only care about the money and weaponizing mm-hmm. these aliens and no one cares or believes what women say. <laughs> and... Yeah. Well, yeah well, regardless of their trauma, we're still going to this place. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all just mock her right in front yeah. of her. And she yeah. tries to explain how we're all about to die. <laughs> I feel like the, um, the only, the only part and you ding any, any, really any movie after five years that depicts the future is like, I always love those things where it's like, she's got a, there's a little tv by our hospital bed and then you know it, it's flickers on an office that it's just like the way that the future in 1986 they thought the future is like it's gonna be you know they're still gonna be static when uh screen hey, they were making video calls there was a video call but they were doing video Paul. calls there was a little facetime i on I, I, yeah. I realized this after watching did we see paul rise's character die did i blank on that did i like, no and look- that was my one thing is that i could have done for at times a little bit more grisly alien kills we saw him sure. back up and then the door open and the alien was behind him and then it got him but they cut so okay yes he's dead no we don't see it and yeah, i, I, like, I want to like see this motherfucker die like those I suits thought- are very scary but i do wonder in slightly and i'd rather than do it practical so it's all sure. good i've seen what a cgi alien looks like and it's not always better but like in the the more recent Ridley Scott versions, but like there are those moments where I'm like, Oh man, I, you'd really like to see this thing rip into this thing. But I think that yeah, as little, little as you think yeah. about it being a guy in a suit, the better. So they, they keep those shots quick and I do think it makes for a scary. I mean, I, speaking of holding up these effects, they still look good to me. I mean, the, yeah. the, the spaceship like flying into the planet, uh, like the toy yeah. ships is yeah, always funny. Little model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. the little models are always <laughs> funny, but I still think sometimes it looks better than some CGI. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So like, if you can, if, if, if the directing is great, it, there's only so much you can do in 1986, but sure. um, I felt like it held up pretty well. I didn't really here's, have too many complaints. Here's one more thing before we move forward. Um, the, the uh, like, and this is that kind of thing, Jason, you're a screenwriter. Maybe you can speak to this better than, than I, but that kind of thing where it's like, we accept coincidences in the first act much more than we do in the third act where they start to feel yeah. like deus ex machina. But the fact that Ridley wakes up, uh, okay, maybe we don't know how much time has passed, but we probably agree that it's not more than like six months that she's on that ship between before going with the Marines. That's probably too much. Sure. Time. So she wakes up. She's like, hey, I was on. We went to this planet. There's a fucking bunch of eggs over there, guys. And they're like, uh, uh-uh. we just first of all, not only do we know that we haven't heard shit, we're terraforming that planet. Everyone's fine. And then like the next night, Paul Reiser gives the old video call and he goes, uh, we've lost contact with that planet. So it's like <laughs> 57 years after that moment okay sure they set up shop they don't fully scope the whole planet they start terraforming it but it's like now the aliens have taken over you know what are they only checking in every 10 years it seems like <laughs> it's pretty convenient timing that like ridley just woke up and they're like let's get her over there but yeah that yeah that. that part Except didn't that. really make much sense it's like if the aliens were there 57 years ago then how the fuck you know and y'all yeah because i think they said they'd been there for 20 years by that point yeah. or something like that like there's a full community yeah anyway um I mean, I don't have an answer there. I just like it, it's one of those things I always say, like, if you don't buy in, you don't buy in. And, and, right. and like, that's sort of one of those, like, yeah, I mean, it's a coincidence. It's an act one coincidence. If it happened at the end, you're like, the aliens have just shown up. You'd be like, fuck you. But for now, I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go into our third and most important uh, criterion. Uh, Leonard, do you want to ask this was, one? Regina I, I, Hall in either one of these movies? I don't was think I saw Regina, Regina Hall. Any either one of these. these was she? Was she? Famous funny woman, Regina Hall. A woman on the edge? Sometimes. Some of her characters. Yeah, once a year. Yeah, 100%. You'd be a woman on the edge. Famous woman on the edge, seen, Regina Have you ever seen Support the Girls? No. That would have been a good pick, too. But she okay. plays the one on the Yeah. 
but uh, okay. excellent movie. Well, that's like the um, movie about a Hooters esque uh, restaurant, right? Where she works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I heard that she's great in that. Well, we love Regina Hall and everything, except for these Misery movies. Misery was set in, in. Uh, Colorado in the 90s, so there were no black people in it. Um, mm-hmm. Still so no black tough. people in Colorado. Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. Nothing's <laughs> changed. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, Aliens came out in 1986 when she was like seven or something, 80 years old or something like that. But So she really didn't have a chance to be in Aliens, but if she were in Aliens or in Misery, who would she be? I can see... I can see modern day Regina Hall playing and Annie Wilkes for sure. Ooh, that would I be a very that. interesting, that would really allow her to stretch. I do feel like we have seen for comedic purposes, her go a bit crazy, her go a bit sure. big. Oh, what would that be? What, where, where would that would be in that? Leonard, uh, the scary movie films, particularly one and three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but usually that's played for comedy. And now I agree that our girl Regina has range, but I am wondering if she could be, uh, Annie Hall, I don't know if I'd be as scared of Regina. Or, again, this is me in the hospital bed scenario. I think I'd, we'd just be laughing. I'd just be laughing at her jokes and she'd let me go. So I'm not sure. That's a tough one. Um, I um, think you know she what? could be like a military grunt, but you know, I don't know. I wouldn't treat I think her it'd be fun. Way. I don't know. Like I think her interest, like it'd be interesting to take that sort of bubbly personality and then have it be terrifying. You know, it's like you think I, that's that. I think, she could, I think she could drop yeah. that in. in but I also in think, yeah. like, uh, without it being too problematic, like she would be an excellent James Con writer style, like toxic phantom thing. Like she could play actress Regina Hall gets tied up by Leonard Ooh. or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, uh, okay, by this podcast, tied up by Leonard, guys, he likes that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys are the toxic uh, fans who who tie her up as her whatever. And then you, you know, you were like, tell us if who you'd be in all these movies and our back catalog of uh, things, you know, I, I think there's a that. better chance of Regina Hall tying us up for making an entire category about her and never once yeah. picking a movie with her. Well, I, I, I did pick a movie that she was in for a bonus episode paid in full. So that oh. she has been on the podcast. She's been featured on the podcast before, oh, Yeah, but, uh, not for not for not for this actual one. episode. I, I'd like to see her as a as a as a military one of the one of the Marines. I think she could play a Marine Absolutely. for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. I love that line, uh, independent from that, um, where Vasquez, who is a a very tough female Marine part of the unit, and and Bill Paxton, who is the comedic relief, the overly yeah. confident, under courageous <laughs> uh, Marine, where they cut out and and he says to Vasquez, he's like doing pull-ups or something. He's like, Hey Vasquez, you ever get mistaken for a man? And then she just goes, she goes, uh, I don't know. Have you? And I'm like, that's great. Just give it right back to, to old Bill Paxton. So good. Uh, Take that bill. Um, okay. Let's move right. into criteria. Number four stats, box office reviews. Leonard, do you want to go or should I, I got some. Yeah, I'm right here. Ready. Uh, all right. Aliens. Surprisingly, the bu- well, I'm just going to talk about the budget real quick. It was only made for $18.5 million. I mean, that's a lot of money in 1986. That budget sure. is mostly milk. Uh, <laughs> $18.5 million, and it made uh, between $131 and $183 million. Maybe that's domestic and international um, is what I'm seeing. On Rotten Tomatoes, it is a 97%. And mm. on IMDb, IMDb, it is an 8.4%. So consistent with uh, the quality of the movie, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know James Cameron has come to be slightly more, uh, I think just taking decades between movies and his whole 3d push. I know he's, I wouldn't say he's a controversial filmmaker, but he's a little bit more maligned nowadays, but I mean like James Cameron in the eighties was pretty 
pretty good. <laughs> uh, There's not really like, miss. I'll, yeah, I'll make, I'll yeah. maintain that he has and no misses for his entire career. He has no misses oh. because he takes time. And oh, uh, even yeah. Avatar. Yeah, I don't think Avatar's missed at all. I, I think it's such an interesting and good idea. And look, did he spend a little bit more time on technology in the story? Sure, but like, there's a reason everybody saw that movie, and I think like, you know, as a mechanism and also as whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for Shape of Water. Or whatever this, you can see you know? the this way is, of water. The way, the way of water. Of water. I'm gonna tell you this. Yeah, you know how I, water has a way. Will, the, yeah, I, will there be any sex in it? Yeah. <laughs> I saw Avatar in theaters, but not on the original original release. They re-released it yeah. a year later, the next summer. And me being me, I was like, this movie, I'm not seeing it. And everybody saw it. And it it just, I heard about the story and I was was just like, no, I'm not watching this. And then I went and saw it in theaters and I was tripping on mushrooms. And I went and saw the re-release with like three people in the theater. And I was tripping balls. And I love that movie. I was, I had a coming to Jesus (laughs) moment during this movie. And then I saw it like months later, like high. And I was like, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, the problem was you had on your 4D glasses when you saw it the first yeah. time. Leonard. You well, were just were, yeah. floating out yeah. in space. And they're I haven't seen it since. It. I'll they're re-watching re-watching it. it in September. It's coming oh, they back are? to theaters in September. Yeah, it's a prime everybody. Uh, and I will say I'm very good friends with Dalip Rao, who plays um, one of the scientists in the movie. And um, he just has like the best stories of shooting that movie and how everybody at the time was like, what, like you're doing what? Like, why are you doing this movie? Like, what is it? And then just obviously it becomes like, doing this big budget thing. Jim Cameron movie. Are you <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, that that's he had done a movie since Titanic. Right? Titanic. Like, he had, yeah. Yeah. People well, were just, like, you don't want to do this. But, just to honor yeah. your friend to Brown. I'll go see it again in theaters. Yeah. I'll go with an open mind. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's a good one. Uh, He's also in Inception. He had a good run. There. Oh, I fucking love Inception. In Inception, hope- Inception, Avatar and Drag Me to Hell. Three years, oh, fun shit. Guy. Wow. Yeah. I hope the movie, the Avatar sequel is not too long or else I might have to take a way of water break. That's right. You guys get this. Guys All right. What are your stats for misery? What are your stats for misery, Quinn? Okay. Uh, oh, boy. Misery. Okay. Made for $20 million. Made $60 million. Pretty good. Uh, it is impressive. Yeah. that. Wait a second. Misery earlier. had a larger budget. I mean, Amen. I'm sure after inflation, it's not. You know how many beds comparable. they had to buy for James Cobb? <laughs> That's They're crazy bigger, that that I mean, movie like, cost $20 stars. million. Yeah. I do yeah, wonder, I because even Kathy Bates, though, in 1990, she wouldn't have been commanding that high a salary to inflate a budget that much. James Conn, maybe, but that's yeah. one and Rob, person. But Rob like, Reiner directing, right? Rob Reiner directed. Yeah, we haven't Coming even talked about of... that. Rob Reiner was on Incredible Heater in the 80s, too. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Coming off of When Harry Met Sally and The Princess Bride, right? Is it? And this is the yeah. And uh, what were his other movies from the eighties? Uh, the the oh god, the 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 mockumentary about the rock. Band. Oh, uh, this oh, is Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah. This is oh, Spinal Tap. Oh, but yeah. I was yeah. good to eleven. Oh, I love that yeah. movie yeah. so much. I think I the love- range of Rob Reiner is very impressive. That he could make Absolutely. all those movies that are very different. Speaking yeah. of Princess Bride, that's how this podcast was created. That's um, right, Jason. Oh, you obviously have seen Princess Bride, but oh, yeah. I have a question for you. Have you seen the movie Harlem Nights? I have seen Harlem Nights. Oh, with, with Jason has seen. Yeah. Jason has seen everything. I think you just Trump Leonard. I mean, Cooper there are a few side. people out there. Usually, they're comedians yeah. or people. But like, either I always just think it's funny how people will have this cult following the Princess Bride and love it, and they'll always have this acclaim for it. But then they've never seen Harlem Nights that came out like a year later. I think that's very fair. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm probably one of the only people who've seen both. But I am just a big fan of that cast. So okay. 
Cool. Yeah. Jason, uh, it's funny because Leonard started this podcast based on that dichotomy. The fact that white people will be like, you haven't seen the yeah. princess bride. Yeah. And right. then you Leonard, if you, you know, as a black, per- a black person, you go to people and be like, have you seen Harlem Nights? And people are like, no. And you started this podcast based off that. And I still haven't seen Harlem Nights. So I think <laughs> it's, it's a fair point. I know I keep like waiting for the right moment to choose it. And I haven't chosen it yet, but it's going to happen. You got to uh, do just, it. I think you'll this, like it. I'd be surprised. If you I own it on DVD, so whenever it happens, I'll just give you my DVD. I still have your Bond DVD that I. You gotta give seen. me my Bond DVD back. Yeah. You're holding it hostage. Um, all right. So just to round out the stats for Misery, ninety percent Rotten Tomatoes, uh, seven point eight on IMDb. Um, okay. And so solid numbers. Yeah, you know we can differ on the, the the discrepancies there, but they both made money. They both are well received. And now, uh, stats being. I feel like we've exhausted most points of conversation. It's been a thorough episode, but now we are in the final arguments portion of the program. Now, Jason, this is where you have some decision-making to, uh, to do. You can factor in or not any of the arguments that we've made so far, just in conversation, but before you choose Leonard and I get to say one final thing, and then we put it to you. Uh, Yeah. I mean, make it count because I am teetering. (laughs) Leonard, I feel like actually, I think when someone's backs against the wall, they go last. Is that fair? Yeah, you can go first. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a courtesy. Otherwise, I would take my. I think I'm due to go second this time, but I'm going to give that back. So yeah, I, yeah. This is <laughs> this is this is game seven for me. Okay, well, here we go. I'm going to be quick. I, I, I think we both talked about these movies. I think it's basically going to come down to what Jason uh, feels better encapsulates the prompt, which could go a number of ways. I would say. Uh, Leonard's probably going to bring up that in this movie about women on the edge, Kathy Bates has already driven a locomotive off the edge, uh, like James <laughs> Conn driving his car in the snow. He is over the edge. Um, and I can't disagree with that, but I do think, uh, I guess the crux of my argument would go down to a point that I already made. So I'll be, I'll be brief, but it's the idea that Kathy Bates, uh, her performance is so good. This movie is so good. It works because this is not the type of person. That's not the type of the way she looks, the way she would ever, that you would ever find horrifying. You know, she's got a little bow in her hair and her hair is all back. She's not a uh, haggard old witch living in the forest. You know, she outwardly, you might mistake her for presentable if you just saw her driving down the block or whatever. Um, But the fact that within this woman, this otherwise ordinary seeming woman is the depths of like depravity and despair and that she makes you believe that that this is a true woman on the edge movie. This is a woman who will do anything to get the very minor thing of her favorite novelist to just bring her character back to life. I think we've all been in that place where we love a character. We love a decision. We hate that something happened. Game of Thrones. A lot of people would like to take David and Dan, strap them down to a bed and make them redo that last season. Um, So I think the realistic horror, I think the performance from Kathy Bates who steals that movie, even though it's both of them, we remember one person from this movie. I think it makes it kind of the ideal woman on the edge movie. All right. Um, I, uh, you know, it's a good argument. We were talking about women on the edge and that is, that is Sigourney Weaver's character. Really. She's literally on the edge. She has been floating in space in hypersleep <laughs> for 57 years. She's on the edge of the universe mentally. She just watched all her friends, her crew get murdered by these aliens. She has a, apparently an 11 year old daughter. <laughs> Back home. Uh, once they cut that scene i think it's decanonized but you can put that in your head okay, okay anyways um 
she has lost everything. She cannot sleep. She she can't go a single night without waking up and having these dreams. She's trying to hold it all together. She's trying to inform this crew of what they are about to face. She's making brash decisions. She she is so on the edge. She comes up and tells Paul's Paul Reiser's character that she's going to report him to the police and everything. Doesn't tell anybody else. Doesn't she's just so brazen and just like she's not completely thinking things through because this entire movie she is her mind is a million different places but she also has to be the hero in misery this woman is in fucking la la land she's not on the edge okay she's fucking she's she's in the zoo she's fucking i don't know where she is but she is uh i guess not the uh james Conn is the victim of circumstance but she happened to luck into this moment and she took advantage of it and i don't say i don't think she's a woman on the edge i think she's just a a a shitty psychopath who just happened to luck into the best situation ever for her and um you know uh, you got to be past the age when you're saving clippings of you killing babies like what (laughs) what is the edge if she's not (laughs) surpassed that so even like not to like bash misery it's just like aliens literally she's on a ship she's stuck she's trying to get off this planet she is on the edge in every single possible way and you're rooting for her to succeed you're rooting for her to win and you think she does (laughs) until aliens three and and you're excited for her and i think even though she succeeds and she wins she's still on the edge she is forever on the edge she is the edge and you don't want to fuck with her. And I think that that is why this encapsulates the, why alien encapsulates that it's the best woman on the edge film. Okay. Jason, you've heard our arguments. We've talked plenty about both movies. Uh, you can take as much or as little time as you want. Walk us through or don't your decision. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you both presented really good arguments and, and honestly, it's it, hard to um, say like how excited I was Um when I got your movie picks, not just because I love inherently both movies, but I thought they both actually did a really good job of taking the prompt in two different directions. You know, for me, uh, misery is a much more traditional version of this character. It's, you know, it's someone who is a psychopath um, and has gone so far that I think Leonard put it well, it's like, we had no idea when she could ever get back. And I also think aliens is such a great outside the box pick because Ripley is not who you would traditionally call one on the edge, but she is that. I mean, she definitely is. And, and the way you argue it, but also the way when we talk about the movie, um, what she's doing, all the brash and, and rash things she's done, I think are, are interesting. The reason I'm going to pick Misery <laughs> is, <laughs> I know, is that I think um, Ripley is able to come back from the edge. And when we see, you know, like, despite knowing what happens in the sequels, I know, I'm so sorry, Leonard. Uh, <laughs> that movie ends with her not on the edge, right? I think you, you even said it. it's like, have a sweet lullaby. I'm talking people in, she's forgiven, um, you know, robots. She's a mother again, like because of her willingness to come back. I think that's why I'm not picking it. And I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but I'm, I'm picking misery because uh, Kathy Bates is committed to the edge the whole time, never leaves, continues to get worse and worse. She's living on that edge. Yeah, well, she, she redefines up, what the edge is. She built a shack on the edge. Yeah, like we 
we know that she's crazy from the opening moments, but she keeps getting worse and worse. And I think like if we thought the edge was just being a psycho fan, she's always taking to the next step, whether it's hobbling him, whether it's being, <laughs> as we've discussed, openly racist later, whether it's killing a bunch of babies and going off, she's always willing to push that line a little further. And I think because there's no catharsis, I'm picking her because she stays on the edge. And that to me makes the most sense. And I'm, I'm aware that it's, uh, Aliens is my, my one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I will openly watch that again this week. I will never turn misery back on just because of how PTSD it gives me listening to people's notes and terribleness. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm. That's what my decision is. I really don't uh, love it because uh, I I think like Aliens might Leonard's, be a more important movie. Yeah, Leonard's <laughs> but, staring a hole in the back of your head. Now, yeah, exactly. I really wish this, this was on Zoom right now, but uh, yeah. I feel like it's coming over in the audio that you can hear me smiling, listeners. I hope you can, because I am. And I was just doing a little celebration dance. I didn't want to let my yips out while Jason was talking, giving an eloquent and lovely explanation for why he chose my film. Leonard, I've gotten angry on this podcast before when my the pick didn't go my way. I'm sure to see your three-time back-to-back-to-back reign end. That's got to be tough. Can you let us in on how you speak? Get angry with it. Whatever you want to do. Spit acid blood on us how the fuck did i lose this episode okay <laughs> how the fuck did i lose this <laughs> i i just i mean i really thought i had this in the back i was, I was worried that you so nonchalant on your game i've been off this season i've been very complacent and this is what i need i feel like the 2013 san antonio spurs i'm coming back next oh, yeah. with a fucking vengeance okay i should have won this Mm-hmm. Fucking Jason is fucking Ray Allen shooting that fucking bullshit three. <laughs> I'm popping him up. Yeah. I am pissed off right now. Um, I thought that I was going to be able to make a comeback and win this season because the first few episodes, you know what? <laughs> Go speak it, your truth. It, 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 you brought in the ringer for the knockout. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> you got me. I, I, you know, somebody. Somebody had said some bad juju for me because I would have had a win earlier this season. I would have had a little bit more momentum. Um, <laughs> I went, to, you know, I should have went more of um, a crazy w- woman, a psycho bitty type of person. That was that was smart. When I was watching Misery, I was like, "Damn, I feel like it's, it's definitely which way you interpret the, the prompt." Edge, yeah. yeah, but the original thought was psycho bitty, and Aliens doesn't fit that at all. No, so yeah. I was thought I you were going to make the, the you were going to make an argument that like even the, the alien queen was a woman on the edge. You know, a woman doesn't Ooh. have to be human. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm man, not trying yeah. to do your job for you, Leonard. But you had a couple. Oh, yeah. I thought I had it in the bag, and you know these first. I didn't. I didn't take notes one time this single this season, and it's come yeah. back to bite me in the ass. But you know what, Quinn, you needed this win bad because I don't know if I would have won this season. <laughs> I don't, know if, episode, Quinn, I don't know if there would have been a season. Gone. I don't know if there would have been a season five. If No, uh, I have to throw in the towel. Just if, retire. If Quinn would have lost four straight to me, I don't know if there would have been a season five. So I definitely four... would have been trying to put new rules in place. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it was close. You know, I, I think. Hey, but... And don't go after Pride of Philadelphia, Jason Hellerman Leonard. I lost last season uh, <laughs> with, a, with a member of Lemon Pepper Wet. We were picking best Denzel movie. You want to talk about walking into the fucking. <laughs> the fucking what? furnace in with yeah. your back against the wall <laughs> i was like going against jordan in a game seven there was no way i was winning that this is the earliest someone has won a season of yeah. film versus film uh, it's right. always been episode eight or nine this is episode seven mm-hmm. um a five to two win which means you are the i think 
the overall lead in the entire season. You know, the uh, rest is just bookkeeping, Leonard. Series. The important thing is that I get to punish you. I'm going to tie oh, you wow. to a bed. I'm going to tie you to a bed. <laughs> I thought I was thinking about this, too, and I was like, oh, shit, we're going on this fucking bachelor trip together. Like, what's <laughs> I thought you were going to call back the uh, face sitting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well we'll see where i get into i don't want to get i don't want to say Fred leonard with a good the, time but. the first the first two season wins were pretty tame so don't don't get too extreme don't get too extreme but what's we'll your uh what's uh <laughs> i'm trying to think of a what's your tone how long can you hold your breath leonard just curious <laughs> <laughs> 12 seconds Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At what, uh, what's the g-force uh, level by which you start to pass out just curious <laughs> i'm planning something uh so wait does that been... mean the season this is the season finale then huh no we got a couple more episodes man we're, I are we, more... we're not doing two more i'm what not talking about that. we always finish out the nine we'll be back leonard we'll be back in some way shape or form jason i don't uh, want to do this anymore <laughs> jason yeah now you know how i feel God damn it Jason, thank you so much for for being on the podcast. Hey, Leonard is uh, floundering. He usually does this part, but I'm going to do it. Uh, please, uh, where can people find you? Do you have anything to plug? Anything to let us know about? You can find me at Jason Hellerman on Twitter and Instagram. I have nothing to plug yet, but you know, I'll, I'll uh, plug something later if I have it. And you know, happy to be on. Would love to come back and finally sign with Leonard. And you'll never be back. No, oh, it's not with me. Wait, hold on. Yes. All right. Jason. Nope. Will sorry. Be one and done. Jason. <laughs> Heller. You're like the 76ers. You get one championship. Then oh. oh, wow. wow. Oh. Right, I saved that joke for after the real winners. <laughs> wait, wait, uh, hold on. They got a championship. Did I think that happened before 1984. So therefore, oh, <laughs> oh that's true. We also in sports, it's a hard 1984 rule, which really sucks for my Yankees. But uh, you know, most of our championships were before integration. So how much do I really want to brag about them? Yeah, on how can podcast? you brag about championships before you were fucking born, Quinn? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'll just Don't talk about that. the five that happened in my lifetime. Yeah, I exactly. Uh, I know when you were like, uh, you still got a lot. Um, you know what? There's one note and I want to leave on this that I didn't mention for does it hold up for aliens? And it's the fact that everybody in that first act, when the future bureaucrats, as I like to call them, Paul Reiser, chief among them, they all are in the thing wearing suits that look very much like 1980s suits. However, the part where the collar separates, the, the part that goes around the back of the neck, that is popped. And at first I was like, is this a production air? Like the costume designer didn't catch this shit. And then they're in the boardroom and everyone's popped. So I just like the idea on a budgeted movie. This is how they saved the money, got that budget down to 18.5. Is they said, future suits, we just pop the back collar. And they all did that shit. It's the weirdest stuff. If you're watching the aliens, check that out. It is confusing. Anything else, Leonard? I hate you. Okay, Jason, <laughs> you've been a delight. Thank you so we much for all, having me. Yeah. We should all get together for Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, you, I'm me, Leonard, anyone else, we will Some see shrooms. you at the cinema. Yeah. Let's do some shrooms. <laughs>